All right, y'all ready? We've been talking about identity in Christ, and uh, I can't get away from it, so we're just going to stay in it. Um, and so, we, we remember that our identity is an identity of authority, and, but the problem is, is most believers in, in the church world today, I don't think really understand their authority. And we've been talking some, some things, and these have actually been pretty deep things we've been talking about over the last uh, couple weeks. And today's not going to be any, uh, hopefully any different. Um, but let's remind ourselves that a definition of authority is legal power or a right to command or to act. It is power, it is rule, it is influence. And that is our position, even on the earth and in the body of Christ right now. No matter who you are or where you are at, you have authority. Well, I don't feel like I have authority. Well, the, the, the authority isn't based. A king doesn't get up feeling like he's a king every day. You know, he doesn't get up and go, hey, I'm the king. Let's see what happens. No, sometimes he gets up and goes, I don't want to talk. Let me tell you something. As a pastor, I don't want to come to church all the time. <laughs> So you're, you're in good, I wanted to stay in bed this morning. So you're in good company. But you know, authority is just naturally what belongs to us. It is who we are. And, and I think so many times, and this is gonna sound really, really weird. We look at Jesus and we think, oh my gosh, what an amazing man. You know, I would love to have been there. And, and, and we think, okay, he was 100% God, he's 100% man, and, and, and the, John actually, the writer John actually tells us that Jesus did too many things that could ever be written down. See, we've got this idea that just what's listed in the Gospels is all that he did. That wouldn't cause a ruckus for very many. The reason why the religious leaders and even the Romans were scared of him, because everywhere he went, something crazy was happening. I mean, imagine walking with God only an arm's length away. Imagine laying down and opening your eyes in the middle of the night and wondering if the air feels privileged to enter those lungs. Imagine him pulling a rock, because I'm sure they slept outside some. One time they were stuck on an island. Jesus, they fed 5,000 over on an island. His house wasn't on the island. Imagine pulling up a rock. I wonder if that rock remembers the day he called it out of the ground. Can you imagine being there? The demons would cower in his presence. They begged for mercy. They wanted to be put anywhere but other than where he was. You couldn't have a funeral around him. He'd stop a funeral in the middle of the street. Call the dead body back to life. They couldn't be sick around him. Matter of fact, the word says that they would just bring and, and chuck people down in front of him, just hoping his shadow would pass over him. And they, they tried to do the same thing with, with, with the apostles. You know? <laughs> Storms, winds, waves, they all listened to him. Anywhere, everywhere he went, blind would start seeing and deaf would start hearing and the dumb would start talking and the lame would start walking. And we sit back and we stand in such wonder. 
what that would have been like. That's our problem. At some point, the church stopped doing and we started wondering. See, in the first century church, they were set out and were established in authority, and Jesus gave them commands, and that's what we're going to look at today, commands to go. You say, yeah, but God doesn't do that stuff anymore. We don't, I actually had someone tell me that we didn't need for God to operate that way anymore. Only problem with their, with their argument, Jess, was they said, because we have the Bible now. Yeah, but the Bible's full of all this stuff. And we, how can we really trust God if we can't trust him to do the same? If he's so fickle that he changes his mind on what believers can do and, what they, and, and when they can do it, how can we trust him that salvation is actually sure and settled and secure? Go to, uh, where are we going? Hebrews 13 verse 8. And I'm reading now the Amplified Version. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, And Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always. King James Version says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Amplified, if, it's a, if, it's a, if there's a dog in the Scripture, it's going to tell you what color the dog was, <laughs> where its spots were. That's why I like the Amplified. And Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, Always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternally changeless, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, folks, if he gave authority to the people in the first century church, and there, then that we have to wonder, well, that was God's will then. The, the Christianity needed established. They needed to do mission trips. They needed to do signs and wonders to make people stand in awe of God and so that they would draw people. Folks, have you looked outside? Have you turned the news on? We need a bunch of believers. We need the body of Christ to stand up and start doing signs and wonders and miracles because they have authority to do it to draw people to God again because they have everything else to draw their attention away. So what is the difference? If God doesn't change, then why did we see this in the first century church and we don't see it in the church today? I, 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 got a, I got a hint for you. It's not God's fault. It's not that God changed. Let's go to Mark chapter 16, verse 19. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. And here is where our title for today will come from. So that after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. We're going to read some more. What's the difference? See, Jesus is sitting down now. Yep. He don't have to do all those stuff anymore because now he's sat down. And that's, that'll be your title today. He sat down. But he sat down for a reason. He sat down for a purpose. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. 
says, but this man, after he had offered <clears throat> one sacrifice for sins, for what? There's no more sacrifice needed for sin. He offered one sacrifice himself forever. And look what he did. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. See, Jesus went to heaven and he sat down. Well, why did he sit down? Well, I guess he sat down because, you know, his job was over. He cried out, it is finished, and his job was done, so now there's nothing more to be said. There's nothing more to be done. Jesus is seated. He's not working at miracles anymore because that's work. He's not doing signs and wonders anymore because that's doing and he sat down. He did his job. I'm glad you said that. He absolutely did his job. Now let's go back to Mark 16 again. Go back to Mark 16. Out of the Geneva translations puts it this way. And these signs shall follow those who believe. You know why Jesus sat down? Because it's your turn. These signs will follow those that believe. He's, he, let me, oh God, please do something. God, please do something. God, please. He's taken his position and it's done. He left you and I and the rest of the apostles and the first century church. This didn't end. He said, and these signs shall follow them that believe, not that them that believe for the first hundred years. Not for them that believe in the first thousand years, but all believers who shall come forward from that point on, these were the th signs that would follow their lives. Amen. And these are the signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They, will, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. Quick, can I take a little side teaching here? Just in case you think that means learning other languages. Early manuscripts actually leave out the word new altogether of the Bible. It just says they shall speak in tongues. And when they do put that new in, that word new actually means one that is unlearned to the person. And can't be learned by natural causes. So if you can learn another language by Rosetta Stone, that's a natural cause. That's not what he's talking about. And these signs will follow them who believe in my name and his name will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. And they shall take away serpents. And if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father and sat at the right hand of the Father. You see, why Jesus is sitting today, why he is in his position is because the head sits at the top where the head is supposed to sit. And now the body of Christ has been left with the example of this is what a natural believer should look like. Amen. Well, why don't we look like that? Maybe we're not really believers. <laughs> that don't mean you're not going to heaven. That don't mean you didn't accept Jesus. 
But maybe there's just things that we have quit believing. Maybe we have started to wonder what it was like rather than letting it continue. He said, these signs will follow believe. Oh, but he was talking to the disciples. But aren't we disciples? Aren't disciples simply those who follow Christ? So why would those disciples be more important than this disciple? Why would, why would Peter be any more important than Renee? Come on. <laughs> Folks, we have, Jesus is sitting today. And he's sitting so that his body would do something on the earth. I'm just going to throw these at you today. We'll finish when we're finished. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I love the passion translation of this. He says, I tell you a timeless truth. If you like King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. He says, I tell you a timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. Amen. So what is the problem? The problem is, is we have developed a church of non-believers. Thank you. Because when it gets that deathly quiet, because people's like, Oh my gosh, you called us all non-believers. Because we have tagged the idea of non-believers to those who have not awakened to salvation yet. And we think they're the non-believers. Churches are full of non-believers because we need to be seeing things like this again. We need to be walking with the same signs and wonders and miracles that He gave you authority to do. And if we're not, it's because we have yet to step out. Jesus sat down so that you and I would go do the work. We're saying, God, please, God, please. And he's going, I gave that authority to you. So much so, I restored it with the second Adam. Because the first Adam had authority over everything. And God didn't, remember, we talked about this even last week. God didn't even over, try to override his authority. Remember naming the animals? Our problem is, is we, we have become a body that does not agree with the head. And folks, I'm going to tell you, that's diseased. If my head's saying one thing and my body's doing something else, that's disease. Well, what's the disease? Unbelief. Can we go back to that? Oh, you're still up there. Can you go back to the first of that, Bob? He says, I tell you a timeless truth, the person who follows me, believing in me. Those, you, you notice there's a comma there. It's because there's two different statements. We've got a lot of followers of Jesus. Mm. But not a lot of believers. I'm here to challenge us. This is something that's been on, weighing on me since the Holy Spirit woke me up several weeks ago. After I went through a, a, a physical bout. After I went through something that I had to lay on my bed in a hospital and said, how did I get myself here? I'm not asking you to, to go through something I've not went through myself. And I thought, this shouldn't be. 
This shouldn't be. Well, one, I got to quit doing stupid stuff like, you know, if you eat a whole cake <laughs> with a fork, you really technically only ate one piece. <laughs> Think about it. So I can stop doing stupid stuff to my body like that. Am I the only one that does stupid stuff to your body? No. You know, you look over here at Steve, he's all in shape and, you know, good for him. <laughs> But beyond what I do to myself naturally, there is a spiritual thing that needs to reawaken in all of us to the realization that we have been given authority on this earth. And the word says that because of the authority that is given to me, I'm supposed to be laying hands on the sick and they recover. I'm supposed to be, if I, have to, if I drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. I'm the one that's supposed to be casting out devils. I'm the one that's supposed to be speaking with new tongues. I'm the one that, 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 that should, if I, if I get bit by a serpent, it won't even harm me. I'm the one. You're the one who needs to do this. It doesn't need to happen in the church. I could care less how many people we, we see healed inside the church. Come and tell me who you saw healed as sheets. Come and tell me who you saw healed at Walmart. Well, I haven't. That's, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying it's time that we step up. Be the body that God has called us to be. If salvation, thank you baby, if salvation is a surety, why do we know nothing of our authority? Because what we've done is we've came and introduced a whole lot of people to the love and the grace of Jesus. They've accepted it. They walk in it. It is now their reality and we've never told them who they are past that. And so they still sit at home and they still identify themselves as a recovering fill in whatever blank you want to fill in there. They go home and they still identify themselves as their past. And they think I'll never get past my past. Well, folks, that, that's a lie. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That's, that's the voice of a bully who is trying, you know, that's what, you know, that's what most bullies do. They just try, as long as they can keep the bluff on the person they're bullying, that person will never raise up. See, that's what the enemy has told the church for so long. We, 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 we filled this lies that started way back in the Middle Ages when they wanted to chain the Word of God to a wall so it wouldn't escape to the people. Come on, is this too far? What do you think Martin Luther got himself in so much trouble for? Because as long as you can keep people dumb, you can keep them controlled. You can apply that to whatever you want to apply with it. But see, when we begin to walk and we and begin to understand who we really are, and the problem is, for the most part, the church has bought into the lie. We've bought into this lie 
that we are nothing big, we're nothing great. Outside, you know, we, 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 we bought the idea that outside of Christ we can do nothing, which is absolutely true. But we've, and instead of taking that, realizing that we are in Christ, we just take hold of the part I'm nothing. You're not nothing. You are in Christ. Go to Luke chapter 10. Some of you don't know my background and, 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 and how I came to believe some of these things. So you're going to hear things today that's going to sound kind of rude. Because as I was thinking this week, I thought, my, I hear my old self coming back. I wasn't always this fun. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. I love this. King James Version, I think, says he has given us power over the enemy. And that word power there is not dunamis. It's authority. He says, and I have imparted to you all of my authority to trample over his kingdom. So you have the authority over hell itself. Come on. Even hell doesn't stand a chance against you. That's why I loved that when Perry was singing, if you came out of the grave, I'm coming to. Because death doesn't even hold us. He said, I have imparted to you all my authority to trample on his king, over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. That's why I love the uh, uh, passion translation there. King James says, I have given you power over the enemy and over all his power. Those two words are actually different. The word, the power of the enemy is that dunamis power. It's over a natural ability. But God says, I'm not giving you natural abilities. I am putting an authority in you. I am giving you a power that causes you to be able to influence the things that are in your life. I am giving you the right to rule, the right to influence, the right to accomplish great things. And that right will absolutely cause you to win over the physical power. Of sa- that Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Verse 20, however, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits are subject to your, submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to his kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Here's the problem. For the most part, Ted, the church is hung up on that. Don't get so excited that the devils are subject to you. Be more excited that your names are written in heaven. And we focused on that. So everything else that comes in these verses has been left to the side. And we've forgotten that in the verse before that, he's giving us all authority. Not just any authority, he gave us his authority, and his authority causes us to trample over the enemy. And because we can trample over the enemy, there's been so many people who's taken this authority message and went completely screwy with it. Come on.
I can say that. I've been there. But you have authority. You don't have power. And trust me, power is only backed up by authority. And you have been given authority. And our source of authority comes because we are divinely tied into heaven. You are divinely tied into heaven. You, I mean, you're plugged into the source of the universe. It is you. It's God and Jesus' and Holy Spirit's will that we exercise authority. It is God's will that the devils are subject to you. It is God's will that you overtake him and overwhelm him. It is God's will that you speak in new tongues. It is God's will that you take up, that, that, that if you have to take up serpents, you can do so. It is God's will that if anything deadly touches your lips, you won't die. It is God's will that we cast out devils. It is God's will that we lay hands on the sick and they recover. Why is it not happening as much? Because we're not really believers. I'm, where's the people who's going to throw out all abandonment? Now, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm, don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't. Because I've seen people, before they were ready for this, go completely against the doctor's will, and they really had no foundation and no belief system and still die. So I'm, don't be stupid. Is it okay to say stupid? I already did. Okay? There's a balance. But the balance is weighed on our side. That we have been given complete authority. And unless we start walking in it, we're always going to be wondering about it. Just a couple more scriptures and I'm going to let you go home today. Lunch is calling. Go to Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. I love this out of the Amplified Version. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. He says, for God shows no partiality, no arbitrary favoritism with one person. With him, one person is not more important than another. You say, well, that's a weird thing to put there. Why? Because the question I always, or the answer I always get and the statement I always get, but all those things he was talking to his disciples. He was talking to the first century church. That word was for them. Then if that is the case, then we cannot hold to this word. Because it says with him, if you want the King James Word, it says there is no, God is no respect of persons. All right. He said there's no favoritism. In other words, he's not going to offer gifts to Ernie that he doesn't offer to Carrie. If so, that means he likes Ernie more than he likes Carrie, which means that he has broken his own law. So if authority was given to the first century church, and we already read the scripture that he changes not, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if it was his will then, then it's his will now, and until Jesus comes back and we're long gone, it will be his will then too. Because he doesn't change. Uh, yeah, but that was... 
He doesn't change. And the first thing people say, well, that, that verse there is sandwiched in a salvation text. I, I know. He said God does it. He actually he talks about he judges fairly everyone. He's not a respecter of persons. So is he a respecter of persons then when it comes to other things? If he's not a respecter of persons when it comes to salvation... So either we have a problem with God's character because we don't really know him or we've just decided at some point it's not going to be that way anymore. We have to begin to trust God that his character is the same. Remember, let's go back and read it again. Hebrews 13, 8 out of the Amplified. Jesus Christ is eternally changeless. His character is the same throughout all of history. And if he gave authority, as we've already read in Luke, as we've read in Mark, as we read in Matthew throughout these last few weeks, then that authority is still there because God is eternally changeless. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was his will then, and it's his will now. And our salvation, and our rejoicing comes from the fact that knowing that we are divinely plugged into heaven, and because we are divinely plugged into heaven, the authority of God has been placed back onto man because of the the second Adam and we are to walk in it the demonic is supposed to react to you the same way they did to Jesus sickness should react to us the same way it did to Jesus why don't it because maybe I don't believe it Ephesians chapter 6 I'm almost there he's going to be upset with me she says, man, every time you preach short, I've got too much stuff to do. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. You are supernaturally infused with strength. Be built up in your inner man. <laughs> now, uh, let's finish this. He says, stand victorious. That's not a question. That's not a suggestion. That's a statement. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. In and through you. So if it's not happening out, so it tells me that it's at work in me, but I've got to let it out of me. It's this authority. We need to realize you have this authority and it's, nobody, Jesus ain't going to come down and, and, and wield it for you. <laughs> if you have a gun, you're never going to get good at it. And accurate with it if somebody else comes down and always shoots it for you. If Ron's got a pistol, I'm, going, I'm not going to go to Ron and say, here, Ron, I'm going to make you better at this. Just give it to me. Trust me with it. And, 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 and I get good with Ron's gun. 
And I turn it back over to him, and I say, here you go, buddy. It's good. It didn't help him any. And that's what the church has tried to do with authority. We've tried to put all the power into our apostles, our prophets, our evangelists, our teachers, our pastors. We've had arrogant men who want to stand in front of people as if they have it all. Oh, this, this kind of stuff gets me in trouble. When it's the body of Christ, it's not a particular... Now, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the roles of evangelists and pastors. I'm not down. Those are definite roles. But they're not the only ones that hold the power. You have the exact same. That's what, what, what gets me sometimes. I watch people run all over this country to see the next big thing. And they don't realize that the pastor with 10 people in his church or the 90-year-old grandma has as much power as a the person they're running all over the country. I'd rather just walk back here and let Joanne pray for me than have to run somewhere else and let somebody else do it for me. Amen? <laughs> but it's the body. It's the body having to become the body. And it's our authority. You have to use it. You, you have to use it. No one can use it for you. I think this is the last scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Isn't that funny? That's what he tells us to not doubt. God's power to work in you. Never doubt God's power to work in you. Never doubt God's power to work in you. Oh, I'm just a nobody. No, you're not. You're the body of Christ. You're as much a part of the body of Christ as I am. You're as much a part of the body of Christ as your favorite TV minister is. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. If you're reading King James, it says, He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But I like the Passion Translation. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. All of these things are going to get done because His power is energizing you. What's energizing you to do? To get up and do it. Because what did he do? He sat down. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. He says, after the Lord had spoken to him, he received into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We already read in Luke 10, 19. He said, now, I now you understand that I have imparted in you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before, before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that the demons, that these spirits submit to your authority but that your names 
are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is your true source of authority. Where is Jesus? Where is God today? He's sitting in his heaven. He's watching over the affairs of men. But his body's left on the earth. His body's left here to continue doing the miraculous. Continue doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, what are we waiting on? Maybe it's time that we really become believers. Because he's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all, or else I can't trust him to save everybody either. I can't trust that salvation was for everybody. Because why would he lie about some parts and not about others? Well, the word says that God is not a man that he should lie. (laughs) So evidently he's not lying, so evidently this still happens. So I encourage you this week, challenge yourself. Step out. Do something you've never done before. Walk in your authority. Walk in your authority. Be who God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, let us take this authority and remember it, Lord. Let this authority be more real to us than even what we have known and thought and planned up until this time. So, Father, today I release your body. At least this part of the body that you've given me. I release them to go and do. To go and be. To go and see all that God can do through them. To refuse the doubt that the enemy has told them that they are less than. That they are not as good as. That they don't have enough faith because you have put your faith in them. You have put your authority in them. You have put it in me. And we will go forth and we will do what God has called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.